and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. Whew, do I have a story for you guys to start this off? Y'all know how much I love Never Have I Ever, the TV show on Netflix. Basically anything that Mindy Kaling does, I am a sucker for. I just love her writing. I love basically every TV show she's ever done. And this one is no exception. And the third season comes out in two days, August 12th. And I got to go to um, a pre-screening of like the first three episodes. And it was one of those things where you just sign up for like free tickets and they kind of overbook it because they want the theater to be full. But I'm like, hello, people are so thirsty for the stars in this movie. There's going to, you know, it's probably all going to get filled. I don't think they really had to oversell it is my point. Um, shout out to Chelsea for finding this event. And so we went down to Miami. We took the train. We did the premium one where you get like free drinks. So I was already pretty toasty when we got there and we get to the door and there's this girl and she's like, if you're here for the screening, like they're not going to let you in. And I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? We're going to try. Let's keep trying. So we went up and they weren't really letting anyone in. I was like, let's go to the bar. Let's get a drink. Then I was scoping out the scene and I walk around the corner and the two of the stars, their names are Jaren and Darren in real life. And they play Paxton and Ben in the show. We're standing there. They were already being swarmed by girls. I got a photo with Jaren. I asked him what his favorite drink is. He said Dr. Pepper. Um, he is like freshly 21. So I suppose that makes sense that maybe he doesn't have his favorite alcoholic drink chosen yet. Um, and it was just so crazy seeing them in person. They're both so beautiful. And I the first three episodes, we missed the first one. Oh, because we had to sneak into the theater. Because literally, they weren't going to let us in. And when there's all the hullabaloo going on and everyone was, you know, thirsting over these two boys, we just kind of snuck in. And the lady manning it, luckily, like, did not ask for a ticket, did not ask for shit. She was just like, do you guys already have your seat? And we we're like, yep. And we walked just straight on up and just hoped we'd find a seat. And we just, like, sat on the floor in the back and no one said anything. And then Kenzie met us and she did the same thing and she got in. So it ended up working out. And then at the end – but we did miss the boys doing, like, their little intro part, which was a little bit sad. But, again, I was very close to them, got to see their pores, got to see them up close. And then afterwards they gave us a shirt that says uh, Plowed by Paxton. And once you see the episodes, you'll see, like – how that comes into play. And I'm, I'm sad because I feel like I can't ever like genuinely wear it out in public. I mean, maybe I can, but Kinsey's wearing hers right now as we sit in bed, but I just like, it's, it's a little much. Like, I don't know if I've ever or would wear a shirt that says plowed by. Now that I say it, I'm like, whatever, fuck it. I probably will. Um, but it was great. So much fun. <laughs> okay. Moving on from Netflix to talk about HBO. I am just so confused what's going on with HBO Max. And I really want to get into this drama, but I don't have like a good uh, hold of what's going on. And I've been trying to Google it and figure it exactly out. All I do know is that HBO is acquiring uh, Discovery Plus and Warner uh, became part of Discovery. So now they own intellectual property to you know, the DC comics, stuff like that. Batgirl was supposed to be released. It was a huge budget movie. Um, and literally was about to come out and they basically scratched it. And kind of what I've heard from rumblings on the internet is people were excited about this movie and it had a Latina lead, Leslie Grace. So just 
all around a bummer and especially a bummer for the people who were on it and now it won't see the light of day and i know it was also significant because michael keaton was supposed to reprise his role as batman for the first time in you know however many years it's been so and everything over there is just a mess apparently they're going to lay off all these people who are like very high up and influential in the actual uh, sort of creative process behind HBO Max and the actual shows that are chosen. So again, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I just wanted to address it because I know it's been kind of the talk of the town and I'm very intrigued to see how this kind of plays out, if you will. Like, I don't know if this is in a being a huge help to HBO Max, this merger, or if it's going to ultimately shoot them in the foot. I did read that part of the reason Batgirl was canceled is actually so they could get some sort of tax benefit. And ultimately, like, they're earning their money back plus some, which is beyond my understanding of the law. I don't really know what's happening there. I just know that that it was a money decision, basically, which unfortunately, so many things in Hollywood are. It's so sad because I, you know, I always think of entertainment as something that you kind of want removed from that, like the consumerist side of it. But at the end of the day, that's all it is at its core. But that's why you can listen to Kind of Cute Podcast for free and give it a review wherever you listen. You can do it on Spotify, give it a five stars, or go on to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, give it five stars, or even better, a written review. I would so greatly appreciate it. And as always, you can follow me at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast and hit me up in the DMs and we can chat. Okay, I haven't watched a good Architectural Digest home tour in a while, and Sienna Miller had hers recently. She is so posh, so British. She has this little country cottage. She calls it Thatch because it has this beautifully thatched roof. And just viewing this, it got me excited for Christmas. It was so cozy. I wanted to be in a little, like, wool jumper with my dogs beside me, the fire going. That is not a fantasy. I really get to live in Florida, but a girl can dream. And... Literally, she just screams like old money vibes to me. I was like, her parents have got to be rich. So, of course, I immediately went to Wikipedia and her mom was a model and was also a personal assistant to Bowie, like David Bowie, which I thought was insane. And her dad uh, was a banker. And then he turned into a uh, dealer of Chinese art. Oh, and this is why I brought up because she brought up living in Hong Kong at one point. And I was like, oh, he must be in the financial world. And he was, but... Ultimately, I think why he was there is because of this art dealing. So I don't know, kind of nothing against Chinese art. Like, that's amazing. But whenever I hear people like that who, like, obviously come from, like, a very, you know, innate knowledge of the finance world, probably was making a lot of money, and then get into something like dealing Chinese art, the the scam-o-meter goes off a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, mm, was there something under the table there? Was this, again, like a tax reason? I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm reading into it. But, you know, it was very lovely and cozy home tour. Nothing like too remarkable, but just very lived in and nice and quaint and cozy. And, you know, since it's August, I'm obviously already counting down to the three best months of the year, October, November, December. And uh, Sienna actually shares my birthday, December 28th. She is a fellow Capricorn. So automatically that makes me feel a little, you know, like bond with her, but that's probably the only thing we have in common. And with that, let's get into our first article of the day. I don't usually like to admit that I'm late to the game on something. I like to think of myself as an early adopter. 
but I've been very late to the game with being an F1 fan, and I still have not finished all of the F1 Drive to Survive series on Netflix. But our little brother is a huge fan of F1 and because of him we've started watching it more often like the actual races and the show and I've become quite enamored with the, with these men and I would be lying if it wasn't partially because they are some of the mu- most beautiful people I've ever seen um like to the point where you're just like Jesus take the F1 wheel these men are so hot and I sometimes want to objectify men you know what what else is there And all the glitz and glam of it. I just so want to go to a race. They did a race in Miami this year. I think I talked about it because when I went for Kenzie's birthday, they had all of the little exhibits set up and everything. But never seen a race in person. Definitely on my bucket list. And I have a few favorites. Uh, Danny Rick, who's just been really struggling this year, is like probably my favorite. Uh, But then I love the Ferrari team, which is Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. And then Lewis Hamilton, who drives for Mercedes AMG. And... This week, we were graced with not one, but two articles about the stars of F1. We have a Vanity Fair article with Lewis Hamilton, and then a GQ article with Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. So we're going to start with the Lewis Hamilton one. We're going to go much more in depth than this. I'm just going to talk about the GQ one a little bit. And even if you're not into F1, A, start watching the show. It has everything you want in a dramatic reality TV show. And more. And watching the races is really fun, especially if you can watch it with someone who knows what's going on. Because it's nice watching it with my brother because he can kind of explain all the things I don't understand. Anyways, let's let's go. Lewis Hamilton, the F1 superstar on racism, his future, and the shocker that cost him a championship. And this article is by Chris Heath. So if you're not familiar, Lewis Hamilton is literally the only black driver in F1. Uh... The way it works is that there's 10 teams. They each have two drivers, so there's 20 drivers at any one time. And because of that, he's faced a lot of bullshit in the industry, to, you know, put it lightly. And that's kind of the underlying theme of this whole article. But I just, I love Lewis, not only because he is one of the most decorated, most talented, amazing drivers probably to ever exist I think he has this like very nice quiet confidence about him like you know that he knows he's a badass but he comes across as like really soft-spoken and sweet and he looks like he should be in a boy band he has amazing like his own personal sense of style he loves to accessorize with jewelry I just think he's really fucking cool and this article confirmed it for me and I also hate Max Verstappen who drives for Red Bull and he's frequently at the top of the leaderboard so I anytime that like Lewis or the Ferrari boys can just like get Verstappen out of first is a good day for me and I had no idea about this but apparently this season there was a conflict because of Lewis Hamilton wearing jewelry and Lewis has always worn jewelry when he's raced And this rule about jewelry, apparently it's been on the books since 2005, which was before Lewis even did his first Formula One race. And it forbid drivers from wearing jewelry in the cars for safety reasons. But literally until this year, it didn't seem like there was any attempt to actually enforce this rule. And Hamilton races with two earrings and a nose piercing. They're usually like really like huge ass diamonds is what they look like. Uh, And he says... 
you know, people love to have power and to enforce power. When he was kind of asked about why he thought they were going forward with suddenly enforcing this rule. So Chris, the person who's conducting this interview with Lewis, asks him, you know, do you feel like this rule being enforced suddenly is directed towards you? And Lewis says, I mean, yeah, because I'm the only one that has jewelry on, really. So then when Lewis was about to, you know, do the Miami Grand Prix, he was at a conference beforehand, and quote in an act of playful mockery and protest was wearing rings on every finger multiple chains and three watches which i i'm obsessed with he says i just put on as much as i could he announced that if need be he would refuse to race rather than remove his race day jewelry and also up the ante and sent the internet bubbling with this comment as i said i can't remove at least two of them one i can't really explain where it is so as a little aside i went into the piercing studio this past weekend to uh get a new piece of jewelry and get it inserted in my ear because after my surgery and having to take out all my earrings i've lost a couple of them now and uh very sad they're all like they're all actual gold earrings that I've just lost and they're so small. I will never find them. And this one I couldn't, Kenzie could not get back in for me. So I was like, I just need to go get it done. Anyways, when I was booking my appointment, I saw all the options of like the different piercings you could book for. And let me tell you, I was so shook with the amount of penis and vagina piercings that you could get. I knew obviously those were a thing, but I thought you could only get pierced in like one or two spots on each respective uh, piece of our anatomy. Oh no, you can get pierced apparently all over the freaking thing in the perineum, the hood, the clit, the lobby, like all over. Like when I was getting pierced, I brought this up to the piercer and they were like, oh yeah, like just rattling them all off. And I, you know, that was just something new I learned that day, <laughs> but Hamilton says that this was actually just like a flippant comment. He said, he said, I was just fucking with it. He says laughing. I don't have any other piercings anywhere, but I love that there's this sinking shit. Has he got his balls pierced? <laughs> and I just love that so much. Um, so the author of the article in Lewis, they met at Cafe Mogador in New York City. Lewis is a vegan. And this was another thing he got a lot of shit for people being like, oh, you're never going to get enough protein to be able to race at the level you do. And he was basically like, I've won multiple world championships since I went vegan. So jokes on you guys. And it, it goes on to explain how there had never been a black Formula One driver and how the sports participants usually came from way more privileged backgrounds. But Lewis was offered a contract when he was only 13 years old because he was showing such a proclivity for like kart racing, which is what they do before they move on to actual cars. So he was offered this spot with the development team at McLaren. That's where Danny Rick drives for. Um, And then after his 16th birthday, this whole issue happened where he was in the bathroom and one of his classmates was beaten up by six boys and Hamilton was there like watching the fight go down but in the aftermath he was accused of kicking the boy and he was so like no I didn't do anything I didn't do anything but he basically got expelled and kicked out of school and he was so scared that this was going to be like the end of his racing career like it was all over for him he was so scared telling his dad but he's like no I I told my dad like I wouldn't do that it's just not part of who I am and his dad believed him and they worked with the school and eventually the decision was overturned and the record was corrected but at that point 
he was already moving on to another school. But luckily, thank God, it didn't affect his racing contract. And he went on to, you know, be what he is today. But this article also talked about just the casual racist abuse he would face, even in his go-karting days. When he was traveling around Italy and France, there was a lot of use of the N-word going around, he says. And then there was one time when he was only 11 or 12 and he was walking to the shops and just like minding his own business and a father and son attacked him, had him on the ground, were kicking him, shouting, go back to your country. And he says, even today, I remember how terrifying it was. I really, really couldn't understand it. It was like, are they talking to me? I'm from here. What do they mean? I could never understand it. When you're being attacked, there's this fear. There's fear and there's anger as well because you want to get them back for the pain that they're causing you. So, of course, Lewis has spoken out against racism, and when he won a trophy at the Grand Prix in Italy in September 2020, he actually wore a shirt that said, Arrest the Cops Who Killed Breonna Taylor. And he noted, in the 70 years of our sports, no one ever stood up there for anything but themselves. And, of course, predictably, after that happened, there was a rule enacted that said that drivers on the podium have to only display team attire because that is the thing about f1 again if you aren't really familiar it just is very it's bouge like the people who get in it usually come from either a a racing family so they have generational wealth that way or they just have so money that they're able to fund this very 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 expensive hobby and then all of the people usually involved in this sport are like high rollers because just to be able to even attend the event is so expensive let alone like be involved at it at a higher level so it just sort of breeds this snobbery and pretension that you know maybe what you would think of as a more accessible sport doesn't and I loved this story he um worked with Tommy Hilfiger and he did this fashion show and it was followed by this huge party and he said it was the best party of fashion week and Right after it, he flew to Singapore for his next race. And, you know, he was told that he shouldn't do this. He just needed to focus and no distractions. And he said, if I'm going to be doing these other things, I've also got to show up and do it and be the shit. And I did the best lap I've ever put together. And people were like, how the fuck does he do it? This Maybe this is not giving quiet confidence, but I swear when you hear Lewis talk, he's like so soft-spoken and like sweet-seeming. Um And then in case anyone's wondering, Lewis is one of the producers of a Formula One movie coming out, and it's going to be directed by the Top Gun Maverick director, Joseph Kaczynski, and produced by and featuring Brad Pitt. And so he said that he had met with Brad Pitt to tour the factories in Britain uh, where they create the Mercedes car, and he helped with vetting the story for um authenticity and he said to hear the bs that's in the script because the americans that are writing it are just getting newly accustomed to formula one that's literally i'm sure if he listened to me like speaking about this he'd be like this dumb american bitch um and then he said he's a friend of tom uh cruise which is hilarious because one of the last ones we were watching with our dad tom cruise was there um with mercedes and my dad was just like there's gonna be a formula one movie like tom cruise is gonna star in it it's going to have Lewis Hamilton, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're fr- they probably friends. And we were all just kind of like, okay, Dad, like, whatever, dude. <laughs> but, like, he, he wasn't that wrong, honestly. so aggressively against him. He's like, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. He just likes Formula One. But this is crazy to me because 
Lewis says that Tom Cruise is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He invited me to a set years ago when he was doing Edge of Tomorrow, and then we built a friendship over time. And you guys know I am like so skeptical of Tom Cruise and his Scientology ass. I do not trust that man one iota. Um, so this was the one part of the interview. I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, and so Lewis had seen the original Top Gun and he actually really wanted to be a fighter pilot, which I feel like is not actually that far off from Formula One racing. And when he heard the second one was coming out, he was like, oh, my God, I have to ask Tom to be in it. I don't even care what role it is. I'll even sweep something, be a cleaner in the back. And so Cruz said yes. And Lewis was going to be one of the fighter pilots. But then it was so sad because like the schedule of when it was going to film just didn't work with Lewis's Formula One schedule. And so he had to call and say that he couldn't do it. But Lewis is just friends with the who's who of Hollywood. He's friends with Tom Brady. Tom Brady gave quotes for this. He's friends with Melody Hobson, uh, who's, you know, amazing in her own right, also married to George Lucas. Like, he just, you know, he's rubbing elbows with everyone. Everyone wants a piece of Lewis. And... Uh, there was also this this is a very long article guys sorry like there's a lot to it I'm like there's so much I want to talk about in here but at one point Lewis is driving the author of this article around and he says you know you would expect him to have some kind of cool sports car but it's just a little tiny electric smart car but it is Mercedes and it says on open roads Hamilton is an achingly sensible and careful driver never speeding and frequently pulling over to let impatient drivers pass Third, as he explains, he doesn't actually like driving, not this kind. He's like, I just find it stressful. I try not to do things that don't add to my life. Look, we're on these roads. Anything can happen. And then he also reveals he's very afraid of spiders. So all in all, great read. Very much enjoyed it. And, you know, it was very different in tone from the GQ article. Like I said about the Ferrari boys, Charlotte Claire, Carlos Sainz. Like, I'm a, I'm a Carlos Sainz girl. If we're judging per, purely on looks, I mean, Carlos Sainz, there is no competition in my eyes. The article described him as doe-eyed, and I'm like, yes, that's you, – you, I feel like you wouldn't normally describe a man as doe-eyed, but, like, that really fits him. Yeah, he's a Bambi-eyed bitch. It says, he's doe-eyed, naturally handsome, though not one for mirrors. His hair lazily parted on the side today. And then it says, Leclerc's famous good looks are sleeker and more polished than those of his teammates. You could easily match him as the prioritized singer in a boy band. And I swear to God, if you put Carlos Charles uh, Lewis in a, a boy band, I mean, it's over. Game over. Game fucking. I don't care that it's funny because Lewis. There wouldn't be a, ba- a, ba- a boy band like even One Direction. There wouldn't no. be a boy band who could match her. Looks. No, and Lewis is you know he's thirty seven, but he doesn't look a day over like twenty five. No. And Leclerc's in his young twenties. Carlos is twenty seven. I'm just saying, if you know, I can be the next Simon, and that's the boy band I want to put together. Um, and I also what I took away from the GQ article is it was actually a lot more about kind of the town where Ferrari is headquartered. But this town in Italy, it's called um, Maranello. It's basically just all Ferrari. It's like the equivalent of a college town. You know, like the college towns that they really are just the college. This is the feeling I get about Ferrari. Like everything's Ferrari red in Maranello. So many of the people who live there work there. Apparently, the roads to get in are insanely treacherous. Um, and I don't know, you know, like I feel like Charles and uh, Carlos, they, you know, 
Charles from Monaco. Carlos is from Madrid. Like I said, comes from this big racing family. You can just tell, like, they have not faced the sort of things even close to what Lewis has faced. And their problems are more just about, like, you know, kind of this battle they have with each other. Because even though there's two members from each team, you're kind of inherently always going against one another. And Leclerc right now, I'd say, is more of the team favorite. Even though Carlos won his first race uh, in July. But, yeah, just, like, reading them next to each other was kind of – it was just jarring how different they were. But I did like this little story. It said <laughs> when Charles was about to wear – when um, the first race of the 2022 season, he radioed his pit crew to yell that he'd suffered a mechanical fault, and it seemed like he wouldn't make the finish line after all. There was a moment of stunned horror in the pit wall. Leclerc was messing with them. Never make this kind of joke again, he was ordered. I mean, I can't even imagine how pissed they were at him because I feel like the people who are in the pit and, you know, walkie-talking to them or whatever, however they communicate, in their headset, they're so serious and they do not fuck around. And you get it. I mean, there's safety involved. There's high stakes, money, whatever. But I just imagine them being so pissed about him doing that. Anyways, okay, moving on to our next article. Did you know about Shania Twain's Wild Divorce Saga by Danielle Cohen? Now, I know I've mentioned this on here, but I thought this article did a good job of kind of going into the intricacies of it. And apparently in July, Netflix released their Shania Twain documentary called Shania Twain, Not Just a Girl. And I am literally ashamed of myself that I haven't watched this yet. And my favorite part of Coachella was without a doubt uh, when Shania was rubbing Harry's chest. Not that I was at Coachella, but did I see that clip on TikTok a million times and did I watch it every time? Yes. And what I would give to see that duet in person. So (laughs) I'm just going to walk you through this whole thing because, again, it's just such a part of pop culture history. It's worth kind of delving into. So back in 1993, Shania Twain met a famous rock producer. He was South African. His real name was Robert John Lang, but he was known as Mutt. Unclear how he got this name. And he worked with rock stars, pop stars like Celine Dion, Britney Spears, Lady Gaga. And a mere six months after they met, Mutt and Shania got married. And they worked together on two of her best-known albums, The Woman and Me and Come On Over. And I don't think it talked about it in this article, but apparently they got a lot of shit in the press because he was much older than Shania and people thought at the time that Shania was just with him to further her career. And so that was actually kind of the impetus, like how they were perceived in the media was the impetus for that song that goes, um, looks like we made it, you know, that one, um, that's based on them. So the rest of the story becomes ironic when you hear that song. And people love playing that song at weddings. And it's like, oh, child, that's not – maybe you should reevaluate. So sometime in the 90s, Shania and Mutt, her now husband, met this woman named Marie Ann. And they hired her to manage their Switzerland chateau, like rich people problems. And Marie Ann took on some personal assistant duties. And because of that, she became really close to Shania. And – Shania described her as her confidant, and Shania and Mutt spent a lot of time with Marianne and her husband, Frederic. So in 2008, Shania and Mutt separated after 14 years of marriage. And Shania actually didn't know why her husband left her, but she found out very quickly because the next day, uh, Frederic, remember Marianne's husband, told Shania 
that Mutt and Marie Anne were having an affair. So, you know, the confidant of Shania goes and bangs her husband and takes her husband. And Shania actually talked about this in a 2011 interview with Ellen DeGeneres. She said, of course, I didn't believe him. And I thought for sure he was making it up. It was obviously just denial on my part. But he just said, you know, I have proof if you want it. I've been following it now for a few weeks and I've got hotel bills and all kind of details. So then Shania goes and she confronts Marie Ann about the affair, but she pretended to not know what was, like, was going on and she changed her number. And then in Shania's 2011 memoir, she included emails that Marie Ann sent her while she was on Tris with Mutt, which I love. I like honestly love that Shania put that in her book. Like one of them said, I'm actually at the spa now. I really enjoying it. Yeah, she was at the spa of Mutt. <laughs> And then in a, a lot was happening in 2011 with these reveals, I think, because of Shania's book coming out. But she told Oprah in an interview that she had confided to Marie Anne that she thought her husband was cheating on her. And Marie Anne was like, honey, you're delusional. And she just comforted her, told her everything was fine. And Shania believed her and she accepted it. And then very sadly, in the Netflix documentary, apparently Shania compares this whole thing to the car crash that killed her parents when she was 22, which I didn't even know that. And she said, it was like a death. It was a permanent end to so many facets of my life. It took a long time to be ready to write and record again. And at the time she was also struggling with Lyme disease and she was getting like blackouts, dizziness from that. She had an illness which caused a vocal cord disorder that would make her vocal cord spasm. And she says her voice was never the same again. And that was so important to her career, who she was as a person, like her number one love in life, you know, music. So again, fast forward. Um, as far as everyone knows, Mutt and Marie Ann are still together. Uh, Marie Ann and Shania are not best buds. You know, they don't talk. She never sees her. Uh, she says, she's not my future. She's my past. And I thought this was really juicy. Andy Cohen asked her what she would say to Marianne if she ever saw her. And she said she would say, I wish I never met you. Oof. Which is kind of crazy because once we get to the last part of the story, I'm like, well, actually for this to happen, you had to kind of meet her. But, you know, <laughs> I guess that's besides the point. So she says she does still speak to her ex, Mutt, uh, but they don't really hang out. But they have, you know, they have a son together. And she says that Marie Anne is the last person on the planet she wants to run into. But again, the final wrinkle in the story is that Shania ended up marrying Frederic, Marie Anne's husband. So again, I just felt like that was a story that deserves some diving into and to remind you guys that you need to watch the documentary. That's what I need to immediately go do after this. Um, actually, I need to go watch Only Murders in the Building because, you know, there was a new episode last night. Ugh, I'm loving this season. It's such a good show. Speaking of divorce, though, Olivia Wilde didn't appreciate being served custody docs on stage by Olivia Truffaut Wong. Now, I think we knew that when this news broke that there was no way Olivia was happy about getting served at Comic-Con. We talked about this on the pod, you know, months ago when this happened Obviously, that's such an uncomfortable situation. I thought she handled it really smoothly, all things considered. Um, but there was some court filings because the the judge in this case that Jason filed um, dismissed his, his claim and said that the custody battle would stay in California. He was trying to get it removed to New York. And so she 
for this part of it, she, she won on that issue. And she said in the filings, I, I'm confused if this was in an affidavit or what. I couldn't find the originals. I was just finding quotes from them. But she said, Jason's actions were clearly intended to threaten me and catch me off guard. He could have served me discreetly, but instead he chose to serve me in the most aggressive manner possible. The fact that Jason would embarrass me professionally and put our personal conflict on public display in this manner is extremely contrary to our children's best interests. Now, obviously, I feel like she kind of has to have that in her filings because it paints Jason in a bad light and is going to help her kind of win anything. You know, it's kind of like, oh, look, I'm playing. I'm not playing dirty. Like, he's not having our children's best interests in mind. And whenever you're dealing with children, children's best interest is always the number, number one consideration. So I feel like she kind of had to spin it that way, and I'm sure she felt that way, that it was embarrassing professionally and putting their personal life on blast. But he continues to deny that he intentionally had her serve there, which I still believe because, at least in my experience, your client isn't, like, involved in the service process. Like, they might give you addresses where they could be, but they're not going to be like, oh, you must serve them at this place, you know? Like, but... But that being said, he obviously did have somewhat of a say in it because we get this quote from him in his filing. It says, I did not want service to take place at the home of Olivia's current partner because Otis and Daisy might be present, which is telling because obviously her current partner is Harry Styles. And this kind of says, unless he's lying, that her kids must be over at Harry's house a lot. And he says, I did not want service to take place at the school because parents might be present. So him saying this kind of makes it seem like he did have a say in where she was ultimately served. He went on to say, I deeply regret what happened. Olivia's talk was an important event for Olivia, both professionally and personally. And I'm very, very sorry that the incident marred her special (laughs) moment. I don't think this will be the end of hearing what's going on between these two. This seems pretty contentious, honestly. Um... (laughs) And apparently this stems from her wanting to take the children to London. And again, that's something that likely is not going to happen unless Jason is also in London because he does film over there. But you can't just one parent can't just take the children to another country when you have shared custody. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of their whole custody agreement, but just generally speaking, that's not going to fly. All right, you guys know how much I love these articles about what celebrities can't live without. And this week we have Chloe Cherry, what Chloe Cherry can't live without, as told to Catherine Gillespie. If you don't remember, Chloe Cherry plays Faye on the most recent season of Euphoria. She is an adult uh, porn star actress, and she also acts and models. She's very like cool girl vibes, bimbo vibes, very, very trendy. So I kind of thought that her list was going to be a little bit off the walls, you know, just like a little bit. Like, I didn't think it was going to be basic as saying that as a basic girl myself. And there's only one item on here that I found to be a little out there, and it's the very first one on the list, and it is Cryolin's special film blood. And she explains that this is what they used on Euphoria, and she's used fake blood on a lot of sets and done a lot of Halloween costumes that incorporate fake blood. And she's like, this one is just so good. It does not come off. It stains your skin for a day. You have to scrub it, and it'll eventually go away. But there you go. If you want to have the same fake blood as Chloe Cherry for October coming up, there's your answer. 
I'm not a fake blood girl. I'm so squeamish. I can't even do fake shit. I've never worn fake blood in my life and I do not plan on it anytime soon. Not even like a cute like dead zombie princess. No, nothing. I, I just cannot do blood. The rest of her list though, it was just so normal. She had an aloe set on there, which aloe is really getting some hype right now on these lists because it was also in Ashley Tisdale's list from last week. She had the bra on there. Uh, she talked about this pair of Nikes that were just very plain, a black and white Nike and how she likes to walk for exercise, you know, at least 10,000 steps a day. And this is her shoe of choice. She had a Dyson air wrap on there, which are obviously very expensive. But if you spend any time on like the beauty side of TikTok, I swear every freaking girl and their mother and their sister and their cousin has a Dyson air wrap. And she points out how she's not as good as it as her hairdresser um but she still likes it like but it was on here because she's like i like when my hairdresser uses it on me and then she was promoting an urban decay liquid lipstick because she has a deal with them and obviously again celebrities only come on this when they want to promote something funny enough i did a really short tiktok on this today and i wasn't even gonna talk about this but i'm like wow this people were loving this on tiktok so i just i was like the people want chloe cherry i guess um but then this last one was the the other one that was a little bit out of place. And it's a TMG Studios Palm Trees Neon Green Crop Top for $35. Now, this crop top is very cute. When I saw the picture, I was like, oh, that's adorable. It looked vintage. Like, I loved it. Apparently, this is from two YouTubers that I've just kind of heard about peripherally. I always feel old when there's a YouTube name that comes up that I don't know who they are because I tr- – I, embarrassingly I'm kind of on top of that I do not know who Cody Co and Noelle Miller are Noel Miller um but she says she's been watching them and listening to them for four or five years and they're her favorite entertainers and they have a podcast together TMG so this is merch from their podcast and she says they're the funniest people I've ever found anywhere they're so hilarious and I agree with all their opinions and I love them so much there's no one else out there where I agree with their opinions that much and when I posted the TikTok someone posted and I haven't looked at it recently this just happened but people were getting into it in my comments because someone posted a comment saying well bad timing with the tmg stuff and someone else was like what i need to know what happened and i was like me too because i was trying to google it and i couldn't find anything that's the problem with like niche internet drama sometimes like you really gotta dig a little but if you just ask people in the comments of tiktok they'll tell you real quick and someone else commented and saying that apparently one of them had like said something that implied they were supporting Andrew Tate which don't even go down that hole he's just despicable and I think just hopefully saying things to get clout but like basically is just a misogynist asshole and hates women um so and among other things that was just like the clip I happened to see so then other people were saying no they don't like he doesn't support so i was just like "Ooh, we're exiting out of this i don't even know um but maybe someone who's listening knows better than i do what's going on with that but again i just thought her list was very funny and not what i would have expected from chloe cherry all right guys we have made it to our blind item of the week I had to pick Lil Miss Shania Twain herself. This one comes from April 15th, 2018. It says, No one could even figure out why this foreign-born former A-list singer, i.e. Shania Twain, allegedly, again, always allegedly in these guys, this is from Crazy Days and Nights. So no one could figure out why Shania Twain was at a party in the desert. She crashed it. No one was going to kick her out, but it was the most random thing ever. Apparently, she wanted selfies with everyone there who's famous now. Trying to appeal to a younger audience? Question mark. Trying to find a producer who will do what her ex did and let her take the credit for what he did? I mean, again, NT Lawyer just being so hella shady with these posts. 
a lot to unpack here. First off, this party in the desert is clearly Coachella. This post came from April, which is famously when Coachella occurs. Um, I do not think it's out of the norm for her to be at Coachella. And ironic that literally four years later, she's up there with Harry. The crowd is going wild. Shania belongs at Coachella. And do not say otherwise. And it's not random. I'm sorry. It's not random for any ex a-list singer to be at Coachella or any celebrity for that matter I mean it's a music festival it's become such this like thing that I'm like we're forgetting that at its core it's a music festival and girl I'd want selfies with everyone there who's famous now too I mean honestly that's probably why she got to do the thing with Harry because she used to go to his shows and like always be backstage and taking selfies with him yeah I don't blame her I, I do the fucking same and Trying to appeal to a younger audience? Why not? And then the last line, trying to find a producer who will do what her ex did and let her take the credit for what he did. This is implying exactly what I was talking about earlier, how the media made it seem like she was just so thirsty for clout that that's the only reason she was with her ex-husband. And I'm sorry, no one knows who freaking Mutt is. You can bet people know who Shania is. So I don't care how she got it done. She got it done, honey, and she's talented, and she can sing her little heart out. And I just hate the way this blind was written, and I'm Team Shania. All right, we've made it to our legit shit for the week. And guys, this stuff is so delicious. Of course, the link is in the show notes, but I think you can buy this at Whole Foods, uh, Target. Some Targets have it. I know they have it at Target Online. I think I linked to Amazon. Um, it is the Bachin Original Japanese Barbecue Sauce. Shit, guys, this stuff is so good. It tastes like when you have like a really good bao bun with like the really good sauce on it. It tastes like that sauce. You can use on anything. You can use on meat, fish, rice, vegetables. I'm telling you, if you like like a Japanese flavor, you please get this. Please get this. Please report back. I think of myself as a little bit of a sauce queen. I would not steer you wrong. Please try it. Please let me know your thoughts. Or if you have another sauce that I like, absolutely must try. I kind of usually like sweet sauces because I love sweet and salty things. Oh, that's another thing. This is like the perfect balance of like sweet and salty. It's kind of like a teriyaki, but just like a really, really good teriyaki sauce. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening this week. And remember to rate and review and tell your friends and tag me on your Instagrams if you've listened and enjoyed an episode or have something to say. Thank you again. I'll see you next week. Bye.